0: Today on the Murder Diaries, we have some bonus content for you. In addition to our weekly episode, we're speaking with Rue Powell, the host of Investigation Discoveries Undercover Underage. The docuseries follows Rue and her team as they combat online child sex abuse and exploitation. Season two airs Monday, May 1st. And now for our interview with the one and only Rue Powell. We really want to thank you for what you're doing in Undercover Underage because it. Is scary to know how many predators are out there. And there would be so many more on the street still if you weren't doing what you're doing.
1: So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Of course. And it it can't be
2: easy to deal with that every single day. You know, like obviously, we were so lucky and we got to see the upcoming episodes of Undercover Underage, which I started following just as a little bit of a fangirl moment when it started coming out on Discovery Plus Season 1. I was waiting week to week, just so you know. I couldn't even binge it because it wasn't all out yet. Um, And so just seeing the differences in this season and just like, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like even heavier, like even as a viewer.
1: I can only describe Season 2 as being wild. Like, you know, we've been in this for a while. We do decoy sprints that aren't on camera. And there Mm is, there are still oftentimes where I go, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like this is, this is another level, another corner of the, of the world that we are unearthing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's almost like unearthing the dark web in a way, but it's not the dark web. It's Instagram. It's, you know, Snapchat It's like, it's mind blowing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think (laughs) that's one thing that, you know, a lot of parents will say, well, which apps are the bad apps? Like, which ones are the bad apps? Oh, and I know that everyone wants me to give them a list and just say, okay, avoid these. But truthfully, it's really any website or app where the communication can happen. I remember talking with a perpetrator as a decoy. And he said, you know, I really don't want to text you because I don't want to give you my number. I feel like that's too dangerous. I also don't want your parents to find out is there a makeup app we can just talk back and forth on? Like I'll download a makeup app, you'll download the makeup app, and we can just talk back and forth. Also, I, I worked with because sometimes I'll consult with companies, especially trust and safety teams, because they're looking for predators on their own platforms because they feel like it's important to keep their users safe. And um, when I tell this to parents, they kind of lose their minds and I always apologize for it. But this company was dealing with perpetrators with online predators on their platform they needed to know what to do about it and it was a coloring book app no and you know i mean i feel like we always see like a six-year-old with an ipad and you're just like sure here's here's a really benign app here's a coloring book app but like makeup apps coloring book apps words with friends it's just if there's the opportunity to communicate there's the opportunity to abuse a child
0: so really anything with um, internet access, you have to be monitoring your child on it. I mean, Yeah. I mean,
1: anything, anything with, with, with a chat client. I mean, we've even seen, I've seen in the past where a perpetrator was communicating with a minor on her school issued Google account and they would have, you know, you open up a Google doc, someone's writing in blue, someone's writing in green. It's, it's, I would say it would not be smart to assume that these perpetrators are not tech savvy and that they don't know what they're doing because a lot of them are very sophisticated and they're very manipulative and they're very careful.
2: I remember growing up as a millennial having, you know, the instant messenger on American Online or AIM. And my friend, I don't know if it's because her dad was a sheriff or not, but we just grew up knowing and being told like. Those people in the chat room, leave it in the chat room. Like, don't ever have anyone come over. Do not ever meet them. It's dangerous. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. And, you know, let me know if you agree. Like, I feel like it is so different today. It's almost like people are getting their news, their information. We're almost told that we have to believe what we're getting from the internet. So these children, it's so much different than them knowing these creepy chat rooms or AIM are unsafe it's almost like they're taught that it that it is safe it's a child's app like you were mentioning
1: well i think that you know i think technology is great i'm still pro technology it's allowing us to chat it allows us Mm -hmm. to get news it allows us to you know see weird things happen in real time on twitter but there's also this really dark side of it because it's also offering perpetrators access to kids if you think about it when we were younger our parents mm-hmm. were really concerned about anyone that was in within close proximity to us, right? Like, yeah. is your softball coach creepy? You're walking mm-hmm. home from school, you're passing a 7-Eleven. Like, are you on your guard there? Yeah. Our perpetrators were limited to the people that were physically around us. And predators could only harm kids that were physically around them. But with the evidence mm-hmm. of the internet, you know, a kid can be abused and the perpetrator is seven states away, across the world, and so it is It is different, but it's also like, what do you do besides being Amish, right? Like There are people that are like, okay, I just won't give my kids access to phones. All right, well, my kids go to public school and they each have a school-issued laptop, and that's where they do their homework, and that's where they submit their assignments. Or, okay, you're not going to give your kid a phone, but your kid's going over a friend's house, or they're doing a sleepover, or they're having a play date. Internet safety is still an important conversation to have, regardless of whether or not your kid has, you know, a smartphone and Snapchat and TikTok and all those things.
2: Right. It goes so far beyond that. Mm -hmm. What would your tenets of
0: internet safety be? I mean, you're obviously a parent. So what do you tell your own kids about being safe on the internet?
1: I mean... My eldest daughter watches the show and uh, she is sufficiently creeped out, but (laughs) I I do think the show is great for that purpose. Like, I love that the show is is, uh, rated TV 14 because we do see a lot of adults watching with their kids and using it as a point of conversation to talk about online safety. Now, I am probably stricter than my kids, friends, parents, when it comes to online safety... But that's a job hazard. (laughs) Like, look look in the environment which I'm in, you know? Um, So I don't don't just give a kid a smartphone and say, good luck and Godspeed. I do a really (laughs) slow burn with them. It's like, okay, now you have a smartphone. And so now you can just text immediate family. Great, you're doing a good job with that. Now you can text immediately family and friends. And, you know, I want to make sure that you're not bullying anyone or, you know, Mm -hmm. that you want to make sure that they're having responsible conversations. All right, great, you're doing a great job let's download audible and podcasts so you can listen to audiobooks and you can listen to some podcasts. Okay, and then okay, yeah, you can have pinterest because i trust, you know, not just that i trust you but like you understand that even on pinterest there's going to be something sketchy. So somebody if somebody starts messaging you on pinterest, just like raise your hand and let mom know. I'm also a firm believer in teaching kids to trust their gut. Like if you teach a kid to go Mm, something's not right here. Uh, that feels weird. I think that's really, really valuable. And then if you're also teaching your kid that like, hey, I'm here for you. At some point in your life, something weird is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. And I want you to know that you can come to me and I'm not going to react in a way that is blaming you or shaming you. Because we do that. I mean, as a society, we definitely do that to kids. Well, what was that kid doing online? Well, what was mm-hmm. that kid po- doing posting a picture of her at the beach? Well, we all post pictures of ourselves at the beach. Like it doesn't mean that um, we should be open to online abuse because of it. Mm-hmm. So these are all definitely conversations I have with parents, including including making sure to not victim blame because I do think it's the one thing that keeps predators so safe. And they know that. They're like, well, you can't tell your parents because they're just going to get mad at you mm-hmm. because, you know, you sent me a photo of your ankles. Not ankles, but you know yeah. what I mean. And-,
2: and the vulnerable ages that the decoys are posing as, which would be possibly actual children experiencing the same thing at those ages, like even the 12-year-old that we saw Isabel portray. You think about it, like I'm thinking of it from my psych background, their main like central processing in their development, according to Erickson, like going oh, textbook psych, is peer pressure, like peer pressure to explore and find out who they are. But Hearing from this online predator, like, oh yeah, your parents will just get so mad. So, like, it's our secret. Like, that's why they can be so vulnerable. It's literally psychology.
1: I also think that we're inherently like taught to trust adults because Mm -hmm. they're older and they're sources of like authority, or like you respect your elders. And surely this 40-year-old man who has kids my age has my best interests at heart. You know, so I think there's there's a lot of that too. And I know a fact that if I was 13, with Snapchat, or, you know, access to all this, I would, I would fall for a lot of this Mm -hmm. hook, line and sinker, not because I wasn't a smart kid, not because I wasn't a good kid, but I was just a normal curious kid on the internet, wanting to go, Oh, I wonder what that means. Or I wonder what this does. Or I wonder what happens if I say yes to that. And I think that's really important to remember. Plus, like teenagers, their frontal lobe isn't fully formed yet. And, you know, Uh, when you're like, Hey, what were you thinking? Well, they weren't, they weren't thinking, you know, and then that's, that's, that's where, um, that's where we come in. And again, like, I don't want to sound like, I always want to tell the truth, but I understand how sensationalist this can also sound, but we have, you know, 12 year old decoys online, but in our communications with perpetrators, it became clear that some of them are targeting much younger. And so there are victims. That are as young as one and two years old, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I think parents don't grasp. Like even if you know, it's so fun to share pictures of your kids online. You know, that's like that's how we all keep in touch. And there are perpetrators who are specifically looking for hashtags like potty training or bubble bath or bath time because it's giving them access to very small children and that feels so disgusting to share and so disgusting to say but i always want to say hey maybe don't create an instagram account directly for your baby like mm-hmm. make it private make it for you know your family and 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 call it a day because and again, I probably sound like I'm paranoid, but there's all these people online that are specifically looking for images, just like the ones that you're sharing, that are so innocuous and so sweet and so beautiful. And they're capturing a moment in time that's important in your kids' lives, but they're using them for, you know, lascivious purposes.
0: I absolutely agree because I have a nephew. He's 18 months old and mm-hmm. he's the first one on, you know, my side of the family. And I've been looking into a lot of like, well, what is okay to post? And I told my sister, like, If you're going to post him to your Instagram and you have a private account and you have 500 followers, but you don't talk to all of them, you would, if you saw them in the street, would you want them to know your kid's name? Number one, would you want them to know what he looks like? Would you be okay sharing that in a converse, you know, whatever he's going milestone he's going through? Would you ever be comfortable sharing that in a conversation with them? If not, there's no reason to post it. And If I ever post a picture of him, it's either from an angle you can't see his face, or I cover his face with an emoji. And she had started to do the same thing because why should people have access to your child? Number one, that would never normally have access to them if you're if they're not you know visiting him, they don't know him.
1: Like unless your kid knows that person's name because they have conversations with them, you know, it's probably unnecessary.
0: And, and it also comes down to like consent of the child. He cannot mm-hmm. consent for himself. So maybe when he's 18 years old, he'll look back at what a parent posted and realize, I would never want that online. But once something's online, it's online forever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Natalie and I, and I we shared a lot of concern about a particular TikTok account. We'll keep the name um, private uh, just for the recording but beautiful little girl. She's like three and it's a lot of outfits and just her. It's not even really family oriented. It's just about this little girl. You can look at the followers. It is foul. They are older dudes. And why do we think they're following her? I mean, yes, I'm sure an older guy can appreciate a cute baby. Of course. I'm not saying that, but why Why do you, Why do? are you following it on TikTok,
1: right? I I 100% agree with you. I mean, there are people that we've... like When we're communicating with an ACM, an adult contacting a minor, we usually check to see who they're following. And Mm -hmm. this guy was following our 12-year-old account. And then we look at who he's following and he's following only kids, 12, 9, 8, 7. Only accounts like that. And a lot of them are like, oh, account run by my parents. Okay, so this guy can't necessarily message you directly, but he is looking at your photos And then when we do, when there's an arrest made and that law enforcement goes to that phone and you see how many photos of young kids are saved to that phone, regardless of if it seems innocuous to you or me or not, that is heart-wrenching. You know, it is heart-wrenching to know what people are doing with these really innocuous photos. So I'm always like, you know, I'm locked down. I have a separate like little account that's just for my kids and like family members to be like, oh yeah, so, you know, so-and-so was in, had this game this weekend. And, you know, very much like a a baby book, an internet baby book. But yeah, I, I also like, I, I never want to just like scare parents and traumatize them, but I also want them to be, the subject matter that we cover in Undercover Underage is rough. It's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, especially because so many of us and so many of us that are parents have just been kind of going along like this. Like, and then I think some parents watch the show and they go, oh my God, my kid has all of these apps. I haven't had a single conversation. I have no idea what's going on. That's not to say like, oh, it's bad parenting or you're not being careful enough. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it feels like the wild, wild west. Like we're, I am part of the first generation of parents raising kids with smartphones. There is no manual for this. There is no, There was no anticipating how crazy this would be. If you look at the history of CSAM, Child sex abuse material, child porn. Think about how that had to be distributed. Like VHS tapes being mailed to mailboxes and often getting intercepted by law enforcement. And now I think um, the Child Rescue Coalition says the most downloaded piece of CSAM, child pornography, is on like 2.8 million separate IP addresses. And so it's, you know, when we have these cases, it's often not just, hey, they're reaching out to a minor. It's they get arrested and it's also, okay, now they're being charged with possession of child pornography or aggravated child pornography. And, you know, it's uh, it's never usually just one charge. It's usually a stack of them.
0: Can you yeah. talk a little bit about your motivation behind founding SOSA and how that led to Undercover Underage or was it vice versa? Like, how did all of that come together?
1: I'm a firm believer that you do not have to be a, ca- a parent to care about this. And as women, we kind of all have some story of at least one sketchy person talking to us when we were 13 and we felt super uncomfortable and super ashamed and like maybe we were too embarrassed to go to our parents about it because like what did I do wrong? Was it because I bought these cute shorts from American Eagle? But ultimately I think I know and I don't think I don't think anyone has to be be a part of this like really sad sorority of women who have been abused in some way. But ultimately, for me, it's not just about the abuse. It's about dealing with the abuse alone, and dealing with that shame alone. And I think that every kid deserves to have a safe adult in their lives, that mm-hmm. they can talk to you about something terrible that's happened, and they will receive nothing but support and unconditional love. So with online sex abuse, because it's so new, because parents don't know what it is, how can parents or caregivers or teachers support a kid who's going through something when they don't know what it is, when the kid doesn't know what it is, and it's just sort of hiding in the background? You know, one of the things that's so meaningful to me that came out of season one is how many young people said, I didn't realize that what happened to me was not my fault until I watched Undercover Underage. Or I am now realizing that that was abuse and that wasn't okay. And I was too scared to talk to anyone about it. So even the the idea that like prevention aside for a moment, that is providing healing to some people who have dealt with abuse, like irrespective of gender, right? Like irrespective of gender or sexuality, kids are targeted. I, you know, as a team, we definitely find that meaningful. How did we come to, how did we come to uh, a show? So I am, uh, you know, a career long writer I've been writing about things that affect um, you know women and children, including sex trafficking. And I, I worked with an um, an NGO in Southeast Asia for a, a short bit, and I I wrote a bunch of pieces about being with undercover investigators inside brothels. And I think again, just the idea that these people do not have someone to go to. And after that, I was running creative for a tech safety company, and we kept seeing these issues come in when it comes to kids being groomed. And I really felt like this is sort of uncharted territory that parents don't know about this. Like, if I could hand every parent I know a conversation that haps, happens between an adult, an adult that's grooming a child and a kid, I feel like every parent would be like, oh my God, I get it. Okay, something, this is not okay. So I wrote a piece about online predation and it went viral and it got me on the news. And then once I was on the news, a production company reached out and they said, hey, We'd love to just kind of follow you around. And the idea of that is scary. Like nobody wants to be followed around while we're, we're doing this. But he goes, think about how many people you reached with a piece that you wrote. And imagine reaching a million people per week and sharing that message. And that's what sold it for me.
2: Wow. It, it makes me think about two quotes that have like really stuck with us. One is just from the intro sequence. We become the target to protect the under." age. Um and I can hear your voice saying that it's absolutely incredible. And this other one is heavy, but I, I feel like I never want to forget it. The hard truth is we can never catch them all. The volume is just too high. And I feel like for you, Rue, that's just like in everyday conversation with with the producers that are behind the camera and everything. But like, it just hit me when I heard that. I like literally got chills. Like, it's true. Like it's the volume is too high.
1: And that's horrific. I, I mean, we could do this 24 hours a day, seven days yeah. a week. And there's always going to be something else. And that's like when people say like, hey, aren't you afraid predators are watching your show? No, I hope they do. I hope it does something to their yeah. hearts where they go, gosh, I shouldn't harm a kid or gosh, I don't want to go to jail or, or, or something else. But ultimately, if you know, 100,000 predators watch the show, there's 100,000 more that haven't. So um, all of this is, is uh, I think, you know, really important. And it is not, the work that we do is not fun. And it is sad. And it definitely takes a toll. But so much better me than like a 13-year-old. I'm an adult with coping skills and access to therapy and mm-hmm. yoga classes on YouTube, right? Like I have, <laughs> I, 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 I know how to get help as opposed to a 13-year-old who is sitting in fear and shame. Mm -hmm. Much better me than someone else, for sure.
0: I'm so glad you brought up the idea of you being able to reach out and talk yourself through these experiences you've had with online predators as you're posing as a decoy. Because that was something I wondered too when watching it. If it's affecting an adult experiencing these things, posing as a child, I can't imagine how these kids must internalize all of that, especially when they feel that they can't. Talk to their parent or their adult. It must be incredibly difficult. And I I don't know, I feel like lucky to have not experienced that. Cause like Paige said, we're both in our 30s. So we definitely grew up with you know chat rooms, but it was always like the computer is in the computer room. It's downstairs. We don't have access to it 24-7. So we literally have to log on, have dial up, go through, sit there log on to AIM and then chat versus kids nowadays where predators who are in contact with them it's 24/7 it yeah, it's, just com- it's just a it's just a
1: comment on a tiktok video right it's just it's it's a it's a constant it's a constant barrage it's horrible um from
0: season 1 to season 2 i i noticed a couple of differences obviously you have not just you as a decoy, you have multiple decoys. And mm-hmm. I was wondering what else you felt like you learned from season one that you brought into season two to make the um process smoother, what to make it um more efficient. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about
1: that? Yeah. Well, we also do these decoy sprints outside of television. So we definitely get learnings uh each time we do something. I think. You know, from season one to season two, it was easier for me in that I wasn't embodying the role of all of these decoys concurrently. I was sitting with them, coaching them through each video call. There's always like, there's also this guilt of bringing someone else on to do this too, because it is, you know, it is upsetting. But the actors that we brought on were great. They totally got got it. Like they understood the mission from the get go. We also realized that we needed more just support, just the influx of messages and being able to kind of like sift through and, and figure out who the bad actors are and then collect the evidence and, you know, liaising with law enforcement. And then, you know, we did a lot of takedowns in season two. So just navigating all of that as well. I feel like our operations are always really efficient. We do a really good job at it. We did a four-day spent in February, just four days because we had a $5,000 grant and I wanted to be able to show what we could do with $5,000. So it was me and Jordan who you see in season two. We mean, five arrests in four days and then like a following arrest after that and still a couple pending. And we can do it as, as scrappy as we need to. It was just like the two of us back and forth phones, you know, screen grabbing evidence, talking with law enforcement. And it was, those were some uh, really wild days. But when we look back at the perpetrators that were caught and what their histories were like and what their victim list was like, or the propensity of what they had, I mean, we had someone show up with, an AR-15 and t- and two guns, right, to a meet this past February. And, you know, he probably likes to hunt, but it was also just three guns in the cab of his truck as he's going to meet. At that point, he was planning on meeting a, our 14-year-old decoy and our 15-year-old decoy in the same day. Then you find out that, you know, he's a dad of three. He's got newborns. And it's just like, I think one thing that I'm always reminded is to just kind of always stay on my toes. You kind of have to think quickly on your feet because you never know what's going to happen and stuff shifts all the time.
0: I did notice that when watching the screeners that we were allowed access to, that you would accompany at least for maybe one or two, the police when they arrive and Mm -hmm. arrest the offender. And it was always like, you were so brave, number one. Like, I, I give you kudos to be able to be there and see this person who thinks you're someone else and um, watch them get taken down. That must be frightening.
1: Yeah, it's always heart pounding. It's like that adrenaline rush, and then you have that adrenaline crash after. And like I w- I'm, I'm like scared to go to my doctor and have her do a physical and tell me what's wrong with my heart because it's just constant, like the up and the down, and the up and the down. But um, sometimes we needed to be there, or a decoy needed to be there, because oftentimes a perpetrator needs to be able to see a body. Now, even if I am, even if it's if it was somebody else like Isabel playing. Abby or Alicia playing, you know, another character, I would just go dressed in the same clothes and in a wig. So, you know, vaguely from far away, they're like, that's, that's the decoy. That's that girl. You will see in a future episode, however, that I do end up having to hug an ACM. And that was, that, that is certainly a moment. (laughs) So it was a hug. Thankfully, that was it, but it was a hug and he was arrested right after. Tune in that episode. I,
0: I'm absolutely going to be tuning in. I can't wait for the rest of the season. I know, um, what you do is amazing and it is amazing to see you in action. So thank you for doing it. Is there anything we didn't cover that you would want our listeners to know about your show, about the season that's coming up?
1: One, you know, it is a television show. So there is entertainment value. It is really easy to watch. It is, it's a well-produced, well-edited show. But it's also a docu series that follows very specifically the work that we do, and what you see is really what you get. I mean, it's nothing sensationalized. Like when we're when we're shocked, it's because we're truly shocked. When this person's getting arrested for X, Y, Z, it's because they do have a laundry list of crimes. And I think that there are good endings to these stories, even if those endings are uh, include the realization that there are other victims in play. Do you know what I mean? Because we know that at that moment the abuse stops. And I think that is a really powerful thing for a viewer to see.
0: Absolutely. Where can our listeners find you? Where, you know, can they follow the show on on social media? I know this is about social media, but like, it would be good for them to be able to see you and what you're working on in real time.
1: Yeah, actually, one thing that I tell uh, parents that they're like, oh, my kid wants to get TikTok. I'm like, well, make sure they follow Sosa because we do offer like really good tips, like really good awareness for young people as well. So that could be part, like, like that could be penance as, as well. So 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 we're on social on all of the things, you know, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm also online if you uh, look up Ru Powell. And our website is sosatogether.org. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We operate very efficiently on a shoestring budget. And uh, we're hoping that season two brings along more financial supporters so we can con- continue to do this work well.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad I got to speak with you. Good luck with the premiere. I know it's going to be amazing.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Great talking with you both. It was so lovely to meet you. Thank you again for being really with Really nice us meeting today. you. Thank you. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. We want to extend a huge thank you to Rue for joining us today. It was truly an honor to spend time talking with her. Make sure that you check out Undercover Underage on Discovery Plus. Season 2 premieres May 1st.